to remind us of what we're doing, we've got a little bit of structure that we're walking through the book of 1 Peter. No commentaries. We're looking at the text. What we're trying to do is find out the context. We're trying to figure out uh, what's the literary context and the historical context and the biblical context. We want to um, we want to figure out then what's the structure of the text. We want to know what the theme of the text is. That leads us to the, what is the gospel play in this, and then uh, my life. So, give it to you again. Structure, or I'm sorry, context, structure, theme. How's the gospel play in? And then how does this play in my life? Those five categories. And so what I want to do is uh, just walk through. We're in First Peter chapter one. Uh, love to hear uh, as we're having a conversation about this. You, you who are on Facebook, can you guys throw it in the chat? You know, give us um, some of the observations you had about the context, and uh, that could be literary context. Like, what do you see around it? What's going on? The historical context. What have you picked up from First Peter chapter one specifically, and even some of the biblical context? How does this writing fit into the larger narrative of um, the Bible. As we do that, you know, Scott and Kristen, I was thinking, Kristen and I were even having this conversation over dinner, but um, I want to throw out some quotes. People on um, Facebook, I don't know, is this prize worthy, Kristen, if, if people know these quotes? It's going to take too uh, much on the lag. Uh, yeah, there's quite a delay I'm noticing here. On, are you on uh, Facebook Live? Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching it. And it's... Um, like, did you notice that Claire was just worried whether or not Ohio was still there? That's what she was talking about. So. Oh, just oh. now. There's a... oh, about Ohio. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. catch up to us. All right. So <laughs> this might be a little difficult to play along with, but let me give you, play along with you guys. Um, let me give you a quote. Tell me the, the context of the quote, okay? Um, four score and seven years ago. Back in the day, <laughs> come on, Civil guys. War. Yes, yes, yes. Abraham Lincoln. Yes, Abraham Civil Lincoln. War, a Civil country War. torn apart. Country wow. torn apart. Gettysburg, Gettysburg Address. Address. There it is. Gettysburg Address. Yes. Hallowed um, ground. Right. Hallowed ground. I think there's only like a couple dozen words in the Gettysburg Address. Um, but we only know a few of the clips. Um, hey, Brandon Knight got it. Uh, there's only a few real significant things um, that these men should not have died in vain is part of the, is, is one of the mm. How about this one? Um, ask not what uh, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. country. You gotta do a, you gotta do a better message. Come on, Scott. <laughs> your country can do it for you. You were just in the East <laughs> Coast you in Ohio. For your country. Um, that's pretty, yeah, yeah, JFK. Here you go. JFK, what's the context? I actually don't even, I don't know if I, I could tell you. I believe it's the State of the Union. Rebecca nailed first it. Year. Wendy was sneaking in there. Um, does anybody on Facebook remember what in the world was going on when JFK said that? Because Chris and I were talking about it, it and I don't wanna, I don't wanna Google it. Uh, it wasn't the face race, was it? That's JKF. JKF. <laughs> It's JK. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I remember uh, the footage, right? And is this, is this in the midst of him laying out the moon race? Is that part of it? Or is it just inauguration speech? No, but I, 
I'm here to talk about First Peter, and okay. we're already 10 minutes into this. <laughs> well, we're waiting for everybody to show up. So here's the point. Here's the point. Is that we often know the nugget, like the one line of the, the address. And we often forget everything else around it. But for us, we remember, Tim Kutcher is verifying the space race. Um, we often remember that uh, the situation for us. When it comes to the Bible, the same thing might also be true. You might remember what, what the, you know, the, kill, the killer Awana verse is. Mm -hmm. Right, Kristen, you, you you made this point tonight over dinner. You were like, "Man, I remember all I zoned in on those like, you know, underline these verses in my Bible, foundational, beautiful uh, verses." Oh, Mike Adams correcting me on the JFK. He's saying it was the inauguration, and Mike was there, so he would know. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mike. We we love you, bro. Um, so when it comes to the you know, the context, this is how context works. We kind of know what was the situation in the world, the culture around it. When it comes to the Bible, we don't always, being 2000 years later, have the best collective historical memory. And so we jump into a book like First Peter and we can get the literary context really good. We're like, we don't remember any of the literary context of State of the Union addresses or inauguration speeches, but we get like the, the words of the Bible really well, but we often miss the cultural context, the background, historical context. Right. And um, that's important because when we come to First Peter, it's going to be important for us to remember not just what do the words say, but why did, why did Peter say these words to these people at this time? Am I making sense here, guys? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, right? It's hard to keep in the context of your mind and hold in front of you all of the themes that Peter is starting to tackle. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, anything that happens in 1 Peter happens in 1 Peter 1, with a couple exceptions of some things in chapters 4 and chapter 5. But pretty much he lays out the introduction to this letter so clearly saying, here's what I want to talk about. And so um, for the next maybe 10, 15 minutes, let's just talk about um, what does it say and the structure of it? You guys had a chance to read it, I'm sure. All of you yeah. back in, uh, all of you back in Facebook world, you've read it as well. I, um, did you guys use some notes here? I got it, got yeah. it on paper. Yeah, Scott, yeah. hold that up, I wanna see it. I wanna see how you do it. I get a- You got a highlighter. I have some random color coding that changes throughout the oh, book yeah i was gonna it ask is not consistent <laughs> so i've never that's, been a... like that's kind of the purpose of color coding is to yeah, be consistent. I'm do, doing it wrong <laughs> yeah this is not a uh an inductive bible study you know method where you got your specific colors and your specific symbols but here's mine this is what i did today uh i don't know if i can it's just nice. circles and lines all over the place um <laughs> And then page two on mine was, was if you're playing at home. Um, let's just walk through it. All right, verse one. Yeah. I got This doesn't have the verses on it, which is kind of crazy. But I start here and then I go back to uh, I go back to uh, the Bible with the verses. Verse one, Scott. What do you got? What's it telling us? Yeah, it's laying out. I think just like any other epistle, 
who it is, and he immediately puts himself under the authority of Jesus Christ. So an apostle of Jesus Christ, Peter wants you to know exactly who he is and exactly what he's going to be, what he is, uh, what he's about. And then you get uh, this interesting part of the elect exiles, and then he lays out all of these different areas of um, areas of the Roman Empire that they would have lived in. So like off the bat, you get author and you get um, you get audience. In Recipients. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You zeroed in on the word apostle. Yeah. Um, I, I zeroed in, and this is just like when you study the Bible, you study the Bible. You bring with it all of the things that you've been thinking about to the text. And what I was thinking about, because people often come at me with, was Peter the first apostle? The first among the apostles? Was he the Pope? Uh-huh. Apostle, what does it mean? No, no dictionary here, but what does it mean? One who is sent with a message with authority, I believe. Uh, apostelos is the sent ones, isn't it? Um, and uh, I could be wrong on that, but someone will Google it later. We're just we're not trying to get it perfect. We're trying to get the the sense of it. Notice what he says though. Then ASB says an apostle. Right. Yeah. And I'm pulling out like the article here, but it is one among many. Mm-hmm. which is important because you can't really make the argument from the New Testament that Peter was like this supremacy first among all the apostles. He's an important apostle for sure, but he's one among many. And that is um, just, I just saw that to be interesting in verse one. Look at who he's writing to. All these Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. If you have a Bible with maps in it, you know we're not letting you look at commentaries, but those are... If my memory serves correctly, those are um, around the Mediterranean Sea. Those are scattered around Asia Minor, around Italy, around um, even like I, I believe would have been uh, towards like Croatia these days. Um, all across, it's a wide swath of land. And um, I was listening to a sermon this week in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes down rushing. And there are people at Pentecost from Cappadocia and Galatia and Bithynia. And I wonder, is it possible when those people go to make sacrifices at the temple on the 50th day after the Passover at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends on them and they hear voices of Jewish people in Jerusalem speaking in their own native tongue, and they get converted, they're part of the 3,000, what do they do? They don't stay necessarily in Jerusalem, do they? No. I know this is outside of First Peter, but I'm just thinking about yeah, how Yeah, you're already in I'm, I'm just book. Yeah, I'm in Acts right now. But they, there are people who possibly, like how did these churches get started is probably going back yeah. to Pentecost. They go back and when they come back, what message are they bringing? I was at They're, this place and this yeah. thing happened and these people were speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit came down. They told me about Jesus and now I'm a Christian. And imagine the turmoil that those people must have been in. Hmm. Scattered aliens who are chosen. A lot of, um, a lot of us would think too about um, the redistribution that the Roman Empire would do to conquer, it's called colonization. They'd come in and part of the way that they ruled was they'd take people and they'd move them around to mix them up. 
It's obviously not in the text. This is a historical thing. How these people came to be in exile, we're not sure. What type of exile is it? We're not sure. At, at one point, what do we understand about these people from verse 1 at least? Like, what is their situation in life? They're exiles. You know, whatever that... If you're on Facebook, throw it in here too. Yeah. They are, I would just say, you know, they're, they're exiles and they are looking for, um, uh, they're looking for teaching. I mean, obviously they have some level of uh, like respect for the person, the apostle Peter. Um, yeah. I, I have a question about this. I don't know. Are we allowed yeah. to ask questions or do this we have is, to act like we know everything? No, we're, we're about to ask only questions pretty soon. <laughs> okay. And it's this. I feel like it came out throughout the rest of it that maybe my question got answered as I read the rest of the letter. But at the beginning, my to those who reside as aliens does not indicate whether or not we are talking to Jews or Gentiles here. Um, I think later on he references Gentiles as a separate group, which then caused me to think, okay, these are solely Jewish people. But do we have a read on that? Yes. So I did not look this up. However, um, when we preached through this, this was one of the overarching themes that we really struggled with preaching through because there's actually four options. And that's getting in way too deep. I would, we okay. chose as a church to preach through Paul's audience being both the Jewish convert and the people that were converted as a result of those converts that were Gentiles. Okay. But you You'd can have go, to assume that, I would think. I mean, if, the, if there's all these different regions, who's to say that there weren't Gentiles who also gathered in as believers? Yeah. So that was my assumption, but I just wanted to be clear about that. I'm so angry so you brought saying, that up. You're saying there are varying opinions about something to do with the Bible? There's four <laughs> options. Yeah, it's four options. And it's either only okay. Jews, only Gentiles, primary Jew- Jews with a subtext of Gentiles, or primary Gentiles with a subtext of Jews. Who you are, which how you get there. Which doesn't really change the message and the fact that, and I, I'm noticing some of the comments that are coming in, Sarah's mentioning this, that they are outcasts, so mm-hmm. living as exiles, this has to um, assume some sort of, I mean, certainly a lack of comfort, a lack of safety that they're feeling. Um, they're, um, Sharon wrote a form of isolation and looking for hope. Those are all, I think, really good observations for what we can assume someone in exile would be feeling, regardless of if they're Jews or Gentiles. Right, right, absolutely. All right, well, we don't want to get bogged down in verse one. Uh, we got a lot to cover. Um, we moved through this, and I, I guess I want to I want to ask the question: How do we get to the point where we look at all of this? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, verse two, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled in His blood, or with His blood. May grace and peace be with you to the fullest measure. Um, quick thoughts on verse two. I see a couple things there, but what do you guys see? Yeah, I see. I see purpose, and then like purpose for the writing for yep. obedience to Jesus Christ. I have a question about the sprinkling of blood. I think that's just such an interesting um, question mark over statement. mine too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he's getting that at that there. I mean, sprinkling of blood that is very uh, Jewish to me. 
like mm-hmm. Old Testament Jewish sacrifice Very. to me. Yeah. So are you, yeah. So so, what is that getting at? Is that getting at grace in the new covenant? I don't know. Did you guys have a thought? Any thoughts on that? We're gonna see that come back again in verse nineteen with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, mm-hmm. the blood of Christ. Uh, verses 17 through 21 are going to pull back to verse 2, which is kind of why I stopped down there to, to come back to it. But yeah, it's uh, that's one of those things where like if you're just reading through it, you're like, I don't get it. You got to well, keep going, leads, right? Right. I mean, the women who are here who did the Women of the Word study in Hebrews, that was something that comes out you know, greatly in Hebrews is the ritualistic um sacrifices and how important the blood was and all of that. And so that language to me brought in more evidence that it would have been a highly Jewish audience, but yeah. don't mean to go back to that question. Everyone on Facebook is with you. Um, yeah. I see a couple interesting things as well. We got God, the father, the work of the spirit and Jesus Christ is a yes. Trinitarian approach to this. And what is it? It's the foreknowledge of God, the father. There's an agency of the spirit at work inside of us. There is obedience to the Lordship of Christ and some sacrifice that Jesus' life um, accomplishes. It is the entire epistle in miniature right here. Epistle, by the way, is a miniature letter of an apostle. It is a writing of an apostle. So if we use that word, that's what we mean. It's the, the letter. Um, so very, just very setting up some themes for us that we want to look at. Uh, verse 3. We've got this incredible, God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is interesting because we just had the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now we have the God and Father in the mm-hmm. sense that um, he is the Father of who? Jesus. Look at the sentence. It says, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter will later come back and call us obedient children, verse 14. He's going to call us obedient children. And who's our father? Well, our father is also God the Father. But here he's, show, he's trying to make the argument that the father begets the son, who then by faith in him, God the Father becomes our father. Uh, quite an incredible thing. And we know this because he's, look at this. What, is, what has the father done? His great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Great mercy. That was one of the phrases that I circled in my read through this. And I, I just kind of watched it because I saw great mercy in verse three. I saw great rejoicing in this. You greatly rejoice verse six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw uh, again, great rejoicing. Um, but you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. And so there's these sort of, you know, threads being woven through here. And what does the mercy of God do? causes us to be born again. Did you guys pick up on the born again language all throughout first Peter one? Yes. Yeah. It is everywhere. The born again and the living hope. Yeah. This is a hope filled epistle and he lays it out here in these first, um, this first big section and, and throughout the, the book, the one thing I think like with great mercy, the one thing I was kind of looking for is this, um, the difference between the trials and juxtaposed immediately with the hope. Mm. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Um, 
Where do you see some of that, Scott? Let's kind of keep moving through here. We're not going to cover every single verse. The purpose of this is not to go line by line. We're hoping to help you study the Bible at home so that you can go through this and make all of these connections yourself. We're just trying to show you some of our process. But Scott, how do you see more of that? This is one thing that I was consistent on in my color coding. Yeah. So (laughs) I am prepared to answer this question. No. Um, So you look in in verse 6. It's, uh, though you have now for a little while been grieved by various trials. Um, and then he gets into this really interesting, and this is a theme throughout the, the book, of, of precious metals of gold and silver. And so you have in, in seven that you get the preciousness of gold and faith. Um, and then it also shows up in verse 11. You have the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories that are, are juxtaposed. So you never see... Um, you, you, you hardly ever see the hope or Christ's glories unless it's also attached with his sufferings. Mm. There is this, mm. I, I had that too, the sufferings to glory, you know, like it mm-hmm. a great poll you just had because there's this, there's this link. Peter is looking at the current circumstance about the sufferings that these people are going through, looking back to salvation in Jesus. What was that? And looking forward to what does that accomplish, right? And so we've got, that's a huge theme, is that the suffering of Christ caused us to be born again into a living hope. Let's go back to verse 3. What, what, what is it about this hope that is so amazing, right? What, yeah. is, the, what is it? It's, it's the quality of this. It mm-hmm. is um, imperishable, the inheritance. We have right. an inheritance. Right. What does that it's imply? Eternal. Yeah. The familial gifting from the father to his kids. And it's imperishable, undefiled. Kristen, you said eternal. It's a um, will not fade away. Uh, Where is it? In heaven, right? Reserved for you. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation. Hmm. This is going to seem really basic to us at home, but the reason that we do a few passes on this to, to find themes and structure and context is because I would have normally just been so immune to the idea of faith for salvation. But mm. as we go through this, that's going to be, I'm just jumping ahead of, to the third step of our process. I think one of the themes that Paul or that Peter, sorry, Romans, that <laughs> Peter is trying to push us through is what does this faith in salvation or this salvation in faith do for you today and tomorrow, no matter what your situation in life is. And there's so many of these time markers all throughout here. We have, um, look at, uh, which verse is this? It's verse uh, five. For you who are protected by the power through faith for salvation, and then look at the future, ready to be revealed in the last time. Go down Mm. to... um, uh, verse seven, end of verse seven, it's going to result, uh, so that your faith, the proof of your faith is going to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Let's go all the way down to, um, where it says, uh, verse 13, therefore prepare your minds for actions, set your hope, your hope, hope is future looking, right? Mm -hmm. Set your hope, uh, completely on the grace that is to be brought to you when, at the revelation 
of Jesus Christ. What is that? That's the time that is to come. We can keep going. Um, verse uh, 17. If you address his father, the one who is impartially judges according to each one's worth, conduct yourselves in fear. I love this phrase. During your stay on earth. Right? What is that? Mm. That is pointing to the fact that this world is temporary. Something more right. is to come. Uh, then right. we have this uh, this phrase. I really should put the verse numbers on this at this point, so this is easier for yeah, me to do. Yeah, this is driving me crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh, I'm looking right here uh, for he was foreknown Which before page? the foundation on page two. For he was foreknown oh, before 20. the foundation. That's verse, verse 20. twenty. Yeah, but he has appeared in. Now this is interesting. In these last times. For the sake of you, that's interesting. I'm in I'm in the ESV, and it is it's a de they translated the definite article there the last times. Yeah, oh, um, interesting. So even in that translate, you know, even in that uh, translation, there is interpretation about the text. Yep, the but NSB has a to be getting more specific. There's a note saying it could also be rendered. Um, it's literally at the end of times, and I would go with the huh. ESV on that one myself. Um, and I, it's it's partly this verse that I think has so many Christians always wondering if e, uh, we are in the last times. But isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. Peter's always pushing our our focus to when Christ comes back. That mm -hmm. that's that's the end times, not whatever trial or suffering or whatever what does he call it? Um, distress by various trials that we're in right now. Right. So Paul, Peter is pushing us that way, and then he ends with saying, you know, everything fades except for the word of God. So definitely a huge, a huge thing that our sufferings are going to push us to glory that is to be revealed at the end of times. And that's the inheritance. That is the, um, the point of trials. Uh, we kind of just ran through that on that theme. Is there another theme that you guys want to run through before we talk about structure? Where does chapter two begin? Just for us, so I can it's, know uh, in my yeah, it's, scripture. It's, it's this therefore so right here. This is the word that was preached to you, and then therefore, oh, yeah, yeah. right here, this chapter two. I, the born again theme, you know, Dan, you had brought that up. That's that's interesting all through this whole, um, and it does it does conclude there in verse twenty three. Since you have been born again, of imperishable seed, going back to that inheritance, that eternal inheritance the living and abiding word of God. Um, you know, and this is, this is where you have to be really careful because in my mind, word of God, I immediately go to John. And I okay. think, uh, uh, you know, the word was with God and the word was God. Um, is, is, is Peter here getting at Christ as the word of God or is he speaking to something else? Like, I don't want to mix. Um, I don't want to mix my letters here. I don't want to mix the gospel of John with, John's theology with Peter's theology. What do you guys think? Which, I'm sorry, which verse are you looking at? I'm at, I'm at um, verse uh, 23, 20, 24, 25. Right before that Old Testament reference from Isaiah. Okay. Through the living and abiding word of God. And even that Isaiah reference in verse 25, it says, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Mm -hmm. You know, what is that? I think the word of the Lord ha has a lot of different connotations. It could literally be his, his mm. spoken word, um, but then oftentimes we see word of God and it is equated with Jesus. 
So here's my take, and I love that you brought that up because so many times we want to make these references and allusions back to other parts of Scripture. Yeah. And you're right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it was with God in the beginning. That's John John 1, 1 through 17. And um, we've been so programmed to to take that principle and to um, apply it you know, consistently throughout. The problem is, is that you when you're dealing with different authors, just like you said, different off, authors are going to have different emphases. John is doing a very specific thing in the beginning of his gospel that Peter is not doing in the middle of his. John writes so that people who do not believe in Jesus may believe in Jesus. Peter is writing to people who already believe in Jesus and are questioning if they should mm-hmm. give up on Jesus because the trials are mm-hmm. not exactly, if he's Lord, why am I suffering? Mm-hmm. Right? And so what we can't do is just say, you know, this word always means this, or this illusion always means that. And so I love that you asked that question. You know, what we would have done is we would have gone and looked at John. We would have kind of thought through it. We'd have taken it apart. And then we would ask the question, what are the references here? These are references to Isaiah. James picks these up. Hebrews picks these up. And I don't think we would have come back on that with John. Um, Kristen, Anything you want to touch on before we get to structure? Just want to give you the chance. Um, no, I think the main thing that hope is, or like present trials, future hope thing is what I was picking up on. I think we, um, but I'm seeing some comments. Do you want to see jump in on that? Yeah, I'm looking through these. Any it looks like a lot of here? a lot of us are trying to get. I love the comments you guys are getting to um, some emphases that you're seeing in the text, permanent versus temporary in focus. Sharon, I'm looking at yours right now. Um, let me just throw this up there so everybody can see what I'm what I'm referring to. Um, I don't know where the best place is to put this because we have a terrible over background. my face. Yep, it's over your face. <laughs> um, and then uh, so permanent versus temporary, great pickup. You've got the imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven. Then you've got your 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 faith is being tested by various trials being more precious than gold, which is perishable, so that it mm-hmm. results in praise. Um, you also have uh, a little bit further along, you have um, even during the time of your stay on earth is interesting, knowing that you are not redeemed with that which is perishable, like mm. silver, gold, fever ways inherited from your forefathers, right? The lust of your flesh and the ignorance, but with precious blood. And then look at these words unblemished and spotless. That sounds a lot like verse three, undefiled, right. imperishable, uh, right. will not fade away, right? Um, and then you, I think there was one more, the living and enduring word of God there in verse um, in verse 23. So definitely have that for sure. Um, and uh, here's what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna we kind of sketched out and I'm watching, watching the work uh, or the, um, the comments here and you guys are all picking up these themes, which is great. Here's what I want to do. I want to move us to the next phase. Let's talk about structure. And I don't want to um, belabor the point here because I, I, I wish I was sitting down with each one of, one of you guys across the computers and talking about structure. But I want you to be looking in your, um, your copies of 1 Peter 1 as I just kind of outlined this for you. Um, or Scott, do you want to take this point here? Do you, want to, do you want to highlight these? I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. I, Let's look at verse 3. Ahead. Let's look at verse three, um, because you have this introduction. We all agree one and two is introduction. That's what it is. It's the setup. And then verse three starts a new a new section. 
And it's, it's talking about what? It's talking about blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about um, salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. And then the break comes. Notice that verse 3 um, through verse 5 is one sentence. Verse 6 through verse 9 is another sentence. You have two sentences. Where does verse six start? <laughs> uh, you're on the thing. Verse six, if you're on our, uh, here it's in, in this, you greatly rejoice. Okay. Even though now for a little while, that's verse six. Okay. And then you have at, ver at verse 10, um, uh, the, it's a new idea. As to this um, salvation, I, I put a break there. Peter is done talking about whatever he was talking about verses three through nine. Right. And when you take it in a unit, then you can ask yourself, what is the, what is the point of those verses? What are, what are we talking about here in this thought? And here's the, the title that I put over it. I just said, and I, these are totally raw thoughts. They're not polished. They're not preachable. They're not, you know, teachable. They're just what I'm being edified in the spirit. God gives power, proof, and outcomes uh, to my faith. How, how do I get that? Well, um, look at the word faith through verses 3 through 9, and you've got, um, uh, you've got the, the power of God. You are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. You have the proof of faith. You're being grieved by these trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold may be found to result in praise and glory. And then you have the outcome of your faith. Um, you rejoice with great joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Salvation and faith are so intricately tied in Peter's uh, world here. And I think that the main point of this is that God is the one who gives the power, the proof and the outcomes of these faiths. It all, his salvation is coming to us by faith. Let's look at verses, uh, verse 10. We go verse 10. He goes, as to this salvation. So that gives us a clue that what came before was about salvation. Salvation is faith in God. The prophets search for grace, uh, prophesies of grace, seeking they would know the time when it was revealed to them. They were not serving themselves, but you and these things which have been preached to you, those who preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Therefore, verse 13, I put a break at verse 12. So I've got 10, 11, and 12 kind of hanging together as its own section as well. Any thoughts on a, a theme of verse 10, 11, and 12? 9, 10, 11, and 12, right? No, no. just 10, 11, and 12. So this would Sorry. be... Sorry. Yep, that therefore... Um, uh, I'm sorry. As, so as this to salvation, this salvation is verse 10? Yes, that's verse 10. Okay. Yep. The prophets who prophesied of this grace that would come. So I think this is how I'm thinking of it. The, um, by the way, Laura Wasco, shout out there, uh, verses three through nine are about an eternal perspective. And I totally, I totally get that and love that. Um, mm -hmm. Verses 10, 11, and 12. I'm looking at this going, you've got prophets prophesying. You've got preachers preaching. You've got the Holy Spirit empowering the preaching. And he was sent from heaven. Interesting that we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven, but we have the Holy Spirit, which is sent to us from heaven. Um, and then things into which angels long to look. 
This has honestly always bothered me, this one phrase, things in w- into which angels have always longed to look. Um, and it wasn't until I went through this this week that I realized when you combine prophets, preachers, the spirit, and angels, all four of those things are divine messengers. Our salvation is carried along divinely by hearing the word, the gospel. It's interesting that it even uses the phrase, the gospel, preached the gospel in verse 12, um, which not many times in the scriptures is, do you see the phrase, the gospel? That's something that we kind of take for granted as like this collective message of Jesus Christ. Um, but here Peter says, they preached the gospel to you. And so I just put over that, uh, that section there, the label, um, uh, Others desire that this to, uh, others desire this faith that saves, like it has value. That's a really crude way to talk about it. It's not perfectly polished, um, but that's how I'm thinking about it. I'm seeing I'm seeing prophets, angels, the Holy Spirit, the preachers. They all realize this this salvation has power to it. Uh, it has value to it. Sorry. And then we have the word therefore. Hold on. Go ahead. Can we kick this around a little bit? Go for it. I. I'm confused about like the equating the comment about angels to the way he's talking about the prophets hmm. because mm-hmm. to me it seems like and I I'm not about the this is what this verse means to me <laughs> meaning this is when I'm reading this when he says that he's talking about the prophets the spirit of Christ was within them which by the yeah. way shout out to the trinity yeah. right there um, that there is something separate that happens when the Holy Spirit interacts with humanity in a way that he does not interact with angels. Is that, like, that's what I was gleaning from this, was that there is a, there's something personal. This The Holy Spirit lives within, speaks to yeah. the prophets, um, in a different way than he interacts with angels. Absolutely. Does that make sense? And is that, is that totally So I'm, I'm ignoring the, the first layer of meaning here right now for the sake of the context. I think what he's saying, things into which angels long to look, there is an inherent understanding that angels are the most majestic creatures that God has made. And our salvation is so great that angels desire to get a glimpse into how the the right. ma- majestic wonders and the mysteries and how did God do this and how right. and they never grow tired of that, right? They never right. cease wanting to investigate. It's like the most captivating. You know, some of us um, could watch reality TV all day long. Some of us could listen to murder podcasts all day long. Some of us, whatever. Angels are like obsessed with the gospel and its effects and the beauty and the glory of God. And every time, uh, you know, every time that uh, we consider the gospel angels, it's almost as if they're like, we wish we knew more about that. Which in some sense- they don't experience the gospel. No. Like they, they aren't able to, like everything that he has said yeah. from verse one to this point, describing yeah. what it means for you to have a hope that is imperishable because yeah. of the great mercy that God has shown to you. They don't experience that in the way that 
humans do, right? Yeah, Rebecca Douglas threw on there, and thinks this is a great comment, Rebecca. It's She says, is it about angels not having foreknowledge of God's plan, but they're observers and servants? I think it's definitely mm-hmm. part of it, but they're also participants. Because in the plan of God, you have the angelic announcement to... Um, uh, how, how do they show up, right? To Mary, to Zechariah. Um, you have angels in Luke chapter four ministering to Christ in the combative nature of um, of uh, uh, the, the enemy's um, temptations against the devil's temptations. Angels are definitely involved in the midst of the gospel, but how it is that God takes sinful people and makes them clean and preserves them and prepares them for a future glory uh, I think that's his point. But I also want to say this is this right here is an exercise in um, possible Bible study distraction because it is such a um, in one sense it, that you, you'll get lost in commentaries on this one verse. Um, and yet if we look at the wider context, what is he saying? He's saying the gospel's valuable. at its face, angel yeah. even angels desire, to long, they long to look into these things. Mm-hmm. We want to know why do they? What? To, what does that look like? How often does it? Is it just the cherubim or the seraphim? Um, what's Peter's point? Why? Why is Peter telling us that angels long to look into this? I think. I think you go back to the context and structure, like you said, Dan, leading up to this, and what. Peter is doing here is he is highlighting, like you said, the value of the gospel. And so the angels longing to look is just an extra tag to prop up that main point of 10, 11, and really even longer of, of nine to, to uh, 12 as a whole. Yeah. And I think you, I think then you can back that up with the therefore and what he goes into in verse 13. Okay, yeah, so if, we, if we can move on, let's do that. Um, therefore, because we're going to have all these questions. And honestly, I'm going to be thinking about what we all just run around there the next couple of days. And we're not trying to come down with right answers here. We're trying to study the Bible and learn how to ask good questions, right? That's what good Bible study is, the art of asking good questions. And so, Kristen, that question you asked, phenomenal, phenomenal question. Um Verse 13, as we look at structure, we're looking at, therefore, there's a transition sentence there, right? Therefore, prepare your minds for action. This is a totally different structure. He goes from theology, 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 therefore, prepare your minds for action. Very much a turn towards us. Keep sober we in talk, spirit. Go ahead. Can, can, we, can we talk about this therefore real quick? Because I have a question on it. What What is he coming off of? Is it therefore because of this living hope you were born again or is it therefore because of what i just said concerning this salvation is it this previous chunk of 10 yeah, to 12 reference or is it reference. 9 to yeah 3 to 9 or 3 to 12 i don't know if you guys had a thought on that because i think it then does change the way that you read the the next part of it it does and so uh sometimes we um like romans 12 1 Therefore, in view of God's mercy, that's a reference from Romans 1, 1 all the way to 11, right? Yeah. I take this as Peter is building his argument. He's talking about um, salvation. Uh, 
faith of salvation of your souls. The end of verse nine, I think is the key verse. I haven't really made this my argument yet, but obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, how God saves people and their souls is the argument of 10 through 12. So valuable and so interesting. And, and it's the prophets were looking forward to when is Christ going to come? The angels are looking, going, how does he even do this? Um, it's preaching the gospel to you by the spirit sent from heaven. Um, and so I think he's saying, uh, God has a plan for your faith that is going to be keeping you in power, proving your faith through trials and giving you the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's a, um, it's a faith that is valuable that others have um, prophesied about and want to investigate. Therefore, because you have such a valuable gift, this new birth, this living hope, because of this, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Um, mm -hmm. I put this, therefore, up against verse 17, that word, if, if you address as father, I think that's a transition word as well. So I have my third section as verses 13 all the way through 16. And um, that is the be holy as the one who called you is also holy. You shall be holy because yeah. I am holy. Um, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. And I put over, um, I put over this, just the title of what I think that question was, Scott. How do we treasure or handle our valuable faith? Right? How do we do that? Yeah. Um, and the, the way that we do this is holiness. It sounds a lot like Romans, doesn't it? Romans chapter 7, um, you know, Romans chapter 6. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, do not sin so that grace may abound. Um, all of these ideas that salvation is so precious and valuable that we don't want to misuse it by cheapening it mm -hmm. in any way. Um, verses 17, I carried that if all the way through to verse 21, through verse 21. Because verse 22 starts with the word, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified yourself. There's that since is a transition word. It's a new logical move. So I've got the fourth move going from if you address as father, the one who impartially judges, all the way down to um, verse 21. Through him are all believers in God who raised him from the dead, gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Can we spend a little time on um, this section here? Because it is the gospel proper. Yeah. 17 to 21, you're 17 about? to 21. It starts, Kristen, um, yeah. it's on page two, I believe. And it is, uh, um, if you address as father the one who impartially judges uh, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear. I got a question on that one. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean to conduct ourselves with fear during the time of our <laughs> stay on earth? This is, this is hard because I immediately go to Philippians, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But like, I want to pull back on that because that's Paul. That's Paul's theology. And while they, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about the same thing. Um, contextually, I don't know. What is he talking about fear? Conduct with fear. I moved to trials. Like I think of the trials. Is it fearful of trials? 
Interesting. Is it fear of the one who impartially judges? That's probably what I think it is. You know, it's like that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's interesting to talk to people who are afraid to say, conduct yourself with fear. I just think that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then knowing that you have a... Go ahead, Kristen. Well, I just think I connected it to the one who impartially judges. Like when Mm -hmm. I... I'm a kid and I am wanting so desperately to obey my parent, both for love for them, but also like fear out of needing to obey them um, and what they would do to me if I don't obey them. <laughs> and and then I think it's interesting because it's connected there. This whole thought is, I mean, he just sort of continues. Conduct yeah. yourselves in fear during the time of saying, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things. So it's like connecting to the one who judges on the back end, but on this end, he's connecting it now to the way that we've been saved. This, mm. this, this, this perish, redeemed with perishable, you've not been redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood. Mm. So the, you have bookends here, yeah. our attitude toward how we live and how we approach a life of obedience should be done in a reverent fear because of the God who will judge us and because of the great price that was paid to redeem us. And mm. that is like a, I mean, textbook, the, the way a Christian ought to live. When we talk about morality and whether or not we are saved by faith alone, that, that sort of debate that comes up, realizing that the, the response of the, of the believer who understands the God who is the judge and the price that was paid, the only response is a fearful obedience. Yeah. That's where I went. I'm with Sharon on this one. Sharon uh, just threw out there, remember the value of our uh, salvation and uh, uh, appreciate the high cost of redemption. My title for verses 18 through 21, Kristen, right in line with you, just what you said. I just called it the cost of our faith. What is the cost of this faith that I have? And it was the precious, more precious than gold, uh, the blood of Christ. Um, And then verse 20 has so many pullbacks to verse two. He was foreknown, right? According back back to verse two, according to the foreknowledge of God, the father uh, before the foundation of the world, um, but has appeared. Is that a reference to the incarnation? The fact that Jesus came to earth, that he showed up, he wrapped himself in flesh. I, I was wondering about that today. I, I think it probably is. Yeah, uh, I don't he know what else could it be. Uh, in these last times, for the yeah. sake of you, who through him are believers in God. How do you come to God? How do you believe in God? You believe in Christ. What do you believe? God raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith mm. and hope is in God. Since, so break, another new new one. Since you have obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love for the brethren, which is a really weird turn. He turns it to uh, love one another now. Um, Purified your souls for a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. There's that theme again. For the living, but um, through the living and enduring word of of God. And... um, I put over this uh, the enduring basis for our faith is that God's word stands forever. 
And as God has decreed, so it shall always be. Um, we're, we're born again of imperishable seed through the enduring word of God. And then there's a couple of quotes here. We're not going to get into all the back end of these quotes, but um, quite, quite impressive what it claims about scripture itself, that scripture is the word of the Lord that endures forever. And then Peter pushes it on us. He goes, this is the, wor- this is the word that was preached to you. This is it, that you are brought to God because of the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You're born again because he died and was raised imperishable. There's so much we could write commentaries about on this and we could talk about and think about and we could um, exhaust. But here's what I did. I went through all of that and built that structure about faith. And then I went back and I went and looked at these segments again And I asked the question, how could I say these, uh, what are these talking about in two words? And I I started from the end and I worked back up to the top. So those section, verse 22 to verse 25, what does it say about, about the enduring basis for our faith? What is the enduring basis for our faith? God's word. Verses 18 through 21, what is the cost of our faith? It's God's son. Uh, verses 13 through 17, um, how are we supposed to handle this valuable faith that we have? Uh, well, it's as God's children. We are obedient to our Father. Verses 10 through 12. Um, how did we receive this faith from those who valued it? Through God's messengers. And verses 3 through 9. Um, what does it say about God who gives power, proof, and outcome of our faith? Well, that he has a plan. God's plan God's messengers, God's children, God's son, and God's word. That's how I would cut 1 Peter. No commentaries, no dictionaries, no cross-reference Bible studies, literally just reading through, talking to you guys about it, just doing the work, getting all this down, trying to get it to a basic theme. Anything you guys want to push back on there or flesh out or develop? Because I want to get to the life application piece here in the gospel. I think the theme that we developed there was the idea of faith in salvation that saves our souls. Um, so what is the question? As I'm studying the Bible, um, the gospel in view, we've kind of kicked that around so many different ways, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the sprinkling of his blood. How do we apply this to our lives? How do I uh, take these truths and put them to work in the middle of coronavirus pandemic and I want you guys uh, who are on, still on Facebook playing along. There are don't lest I, you know, tease you again. There are donuts on the line uh, for your your, your <laughs> great your great comments. But um, as we're thinking about that, I want you guys to be thinking about what are some of the things that you're considering out of First Peter one that help us study God's word and know His word and apply God's word. I think I'll give you one right off the bat. I mean, the commands are always uh, applications for us to prepare our minds for action. Um, what does it mean for us to prepare our minds? When I read this, it was, um, uh, I asked that question, you know, how, how do I prepare my mind? What does it mean to prepare? Prepare for what? Yeah, no, that's good. I as I think about this in the larger context of trials and like future glory, you get, um, 
I get what comes to mind is is a like somebody who is coming up maybe like an athlete against a very difficult challenge mm-hmm. and you know it's going to be hard and before you get into it there's like a moment where you have to just um, you have to decide that this is what you're going to do because uh, you know of whatever but um, there's there's a there's a measure of not as a Christian not moving through life um, willy nilly but understanding that there are trials to come and that we have an obligation to act a certain way through these because of the grace that God's given to us. I, I, that's exactly how I'm thinking about it too, man. Prepare your minds for that. It's almost like set your mind on the fact that this is not going to be easy, that glory yeah. comes through the cross, right? Yeah. If that's what it was for Christ, that's what it's going to be for us. If his holiness came at that cost, we ought to be willing to trust in him and also take up that holiness as well. Um, for sure. S- keep sober in spirit. That's a message we need today. Sober, mm-hmm. clear-minded in spirit. It's like your outlook towards the world. Are you, are you, um, you know, intoxicated by your own anxieties? Are you distracted by your own whimsical nature or your own, um, you know, uh, rose-colored glasses, pure optimism, keep sober in spirit. I think what Peter is helping us understand is that in the midst of different situations and what he calls various trials or um, distresses, that we would be, um, how would I say it? That we would be conscious of the fact that um, our perspective on this life is, is not one that we deserve to be treated well but that we know that we only are saved through following after Christ. I once heard a pastor say, you know, at some point Christians have to understand that, you know, they killed the guy that we follow. At one point, you're going to need to stand in the batter's box and take take some heat for Christ, right? You're going to have to, at some point, look out and say, I got to live in a way where, um, it's going to come at me. And so keep sober in spirit, I think, allows us to stay in it when times get tough. That's what it means to fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the end of uh, the revelation of Christ, is that to keep a forward-looking uh, perspective. And I was, noted here that he says fix your hope completely. Hmm. And I think there is a difference between... I'm partially hoping in Christ and I'm partially hoping in my bank account or the fact that I can, you know, provide for myself or, or that I'm having a really good, I'm doing a lot of really good things or I'm living a good life. You know, those are, or I'm hoping in the fact that this too shall pass. Do you know, like just the, for them, you know, are you hoping in the fact that one day you'll be able to return to Jerusalem and you'll no longer be exiles? Are you hoping in the fact that at some point this persecution will come to an end? Because that isn't, that isn't guaranteed, nor is that if that were to happen, our ultimate hope, the ultimate hope is completely to be fixed on Jesus. Preach. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, I, Kristen, yeah, I'm looking at Rebecca Douglas's comment right now, and it says, um, just like you, it's a paradigm shift, an entire paradigm shift, and it's a new lens to look through, that's the blood of Jesus, in our circumstances. 
Absolutely, and the blo- the blood of Christ is that lens, right? It is yeah. the it is the perspective that it's precious blood, but it's also suffering blood, and on the other side of that suffering is subsequent glories for sure. Um, I think about um, you know if this is true that God gives power, proof, and outcomes of our faith, like His plan of salvation is going to be carried out. Um, he's given us His message. He's called us His children. He's paid the price through his son and his word endures forever. I think part of what Peter's trying to get us to do as scattered aliens who are chosen is to remember that God is faithful. Is it that simple that God is faithful and mighty to save? Right? That that God has ordained this in his foreknowledge and he's carried it out to, to the nth degree. Um, and so whatever we have to go through, receive it as if it's from the hand of God for our good. And um, we will see one day the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls, which is encouraging. Yeah. That gets me through coronavirus. <laughs> that gets me through, you know, the chaos of, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, life is going to throw at us this uh, curveball or that curveball. Knowing that God is uh, carrying out his plan, that we are protected by the power of God through faith, that we have the proof of our faith in trials, and that we will receive the, um, the outcome of our faith. It's a big deal. So, um, yep. How do you guys want to close this? Anything you want to say? Anyone you want to shout out to? I think we're going to go through, and I didn't have a chance to read all the comments today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be dropping off some donuts at someone's... Um, someone's uh, house this week. Ben Fraley, I noticed, just pi- piped in here. And he didn't even talk about First Peter 1. He was like, yeah, 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 he's going to get to this in First Peter 4. It's in three more weeks, man. Uh, but it's good to see you, Ben. I, I miss you, dude. Um, he did, um, when he jumped on, he said, I'm here, you can start. I think you missed that. <laughs> oh, no, I did miss it. Yeah, I've only seen a couple <laughs> comments at a time, which is not, not great. Um, anything you guys want to throw in there? Anything no, you guys want to change about this format? Here, here's what I want to do. I want to just ask Kristen's like our kids are supposed to be in bed fifty minutes I just, ago. I just, I just like to respect people's time, and if we say it's gonna be, you know, thirty to forty minutes, you know. Yeah, it was thirty to forty minutes. We just started Don't thirty forty minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would love to know from you guys who are out there: is this format helpful? First um, Peter two is gonna be um, a little bit more straightforward first peter 3 is going to be very straightforward with a lot of questions in it you all are going to want to talk about first peter 3 i'm thinking about bringing a wheaton college professor in on that one uh because i think uh we're going to need to appeal to a higher authority at some level um first peter 4 and first peter 5 will be rather straightforward as well first peter 1 if it's going to happen in first peter it's starting in first peter 1 and so I think it was important for us to develop those themes and to um, mm-hmm. to make sure that we got at least an outline of how do you get the structure. I hope the structure was helpful to you to see how at least I cut it up. Now, I could open up 20 commentaries and they'd all cut it a little differently. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. At the end of the day, the, the value is in doing the work. Yes. No matter where you end up, it's, a, it's that it was done. Yeah. And you Good. can't get... You can't get deep in in you, uh, uh, what what you never took time to put in you, right? You yeah. can't you can't get it unless you do it. And so, 
Um, guys, I'm really grateful to all of you who did stick around with us for this long. And uh, the many who I know bounced in and out and uh, they have real lives in this pandemic. Uh, I'm grateful, <laughs> grateful for you guys. And, uh, and, and I, think, um, I think God's word is amazing, right? If we could mm. end on this very quick encouragement, the word of the Lord stands forever. It endures forever. It is everlasting. The grass withers, the flowers fade. How many times, Kristen, have I complained about the magnolia flowers on our magnolia tree are already gone. We get two days in Northwest Indiana of magnolia flowers. The flowers fade. But what doesn't fade is the eternal foundation and the explosive fire of the word of God. That's right. And so, yeah. look, um, this is work. But you guys at home, there is tremendous payoff. Even angels long to look into the salvation that we have. And um, I want to encourage you, stick it out for uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 next week. I will drop on the Facebook group a copy of this with verses on it so that we don't have to go through the same ridiculous (laughs) comparison you know looking at this one and trying to find it in the bible um and so uh laura said let's pull an all-nighter sometime laura you're on your own we'll give you the keys to the facebook account you can host it all right worthy work rebecca said we love you guys Mm -hmm. study up we'll see you around thanks guys see ya bye